listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everyone. We continue our Epiphany series, um, All in the Family. Uh, that was Eugene Peterson. Uh, uh, professor and pastor, long-term pastor and translator and author, kind of a famous, famous uh, Christian leader, passed away oh a year or two ago. I love Peterson, and that particular clip uh, came from a documentary called Godspeed, The Pace of Love. You can find it online. It's about 30 minutes long. I would highly recommend it. Godspeed, The Pace of Love. I love what Peterson said there, that the name is the most important part of speech. Like until you call someone by name, you've yet to really speak to them. You're just kind of speaking around them. You might be speaking at them, but you're not really speaking to them. You aren't, you aren't talking with them when you, when you haven't called them by name. And we have a tendency to do this. I mean, he mentioned his own experience in church. Pastors kind of asking them, how's your soul Never asking them, you know, how's Eugene? And sometimes we, you know, we'll hear this, like a, a plane might go down or a ship, and they'll say, like, there was 132 souls on board. Well, there was more than just souls on board. There were bodies. <laughs> there were people on board. People that had names. People that had stories. You know, who they really were. So we've titled today's uh, lesson, What's in a Name? Which, of course, comes from Shakespeare. What's in a name? A rose by any other name? Would it not smell just as sweet? I'm looking at Justin Rose. I'm sure he smells sweet today. <laughs> Sorry about that, Justin. But Charlemagne would say something different. He would take a different point of view, that it's not so much just what's in a name. It doesn't matter what the word is. Just use whatever you want. Charlemagne would say to speak a second language is to possess a second soul. To speak a second language is to possess a second soul because language doesn't just describe reality. It perceives it. Like we, we learn things. Now, I imagine even if you haven't learned Greek, there's a chance that you've heard this before, that in Greek there are four words for love, right? Agape, kind of unconditional love, or phileo, kind of brotherly or sisterly love, storge, kind of family, motherly love, or eros, kind of where we get the term erotic, um, kind of sexual love. Now, you should also know this, just as a sidebar, that those terms aren't necessarily used technically in Scripture. But it does kind of speak to the reality that we often use words and we use them in ways that aren't so precise. Like I might say, you know, I love the Washington Commanders. Not many people can say that, actually. They're, they're, not a, they're not a very good football team. But I might say I love the Washington Commanders. I, I love ice cream. And I love my wife. But that doesn't mean the same thing in each uh, sentence. That's obvious, I hope. Because I really love ice cream. <laughs> Just teasing you, Angela. A little joke there. But <clears throat> in this story... Or I should say, in the season of Epiphany, the, the Epiphany, the revelation that Epiphany is all about is Jesus. 
right? And what are we learning about Jesus? We're learning that he's the son of God. So in last week's service, the first Sunday of Epiphany, it was announced that Jesus was the son of God, but it was at his baptism. And the words, you are my son, comes from heaven, like comes from the mouth of the father. It's the father telling Jesus, you're my son and you I'm well pleased. This day, we hear exactly the same words, except now it's not on the lips of the father. It's on the lips of Nathaniel. So this is a bit of a, a telling of well, the calling of the disciples. So Jesus uh, tells the disciples to come and see. And of the disciples, he tells to come and see Andrew and Philip and James and John. Philip, one of those four, now goes and finds Nathaniel and says, come and see. So he uses exactly the same verbiage that Jesus had used on him to come and see. This is something that you have to uh, experience. This is embodied or the theological term. It's incarnated. It's in it's in the flesh. Right. That you have to you have to experience this. Come and see. We have found the Messiah. And he says, well, who is it? And he says, it's Joseph's son. Jesus of Nazareth. He's like, Nazareth? Are you kidding me? Nazareth? I mean, Nazareth was really out of the way. Like, there's no reference to Nazareth in the Old Testament. There's no reference to Nazareth in the Dead Sea Scrolls. There's no reference to Nazareth in the Talmud or the Mishnah, later Jewish writings. I mean, Nazareth was really out of the way. Like, if you went to nowhere and took a left, you would end up in Nazareth after you went a ways. Like, it is a very, very small village. And so Nathaniel's like, there's no chance, right? He's already kind of disparaging him because of that. And then he comes, and Jesus sees Nathaniel, and Jesus says of Nathaniel, Nathaniel, you're a true Israelite. And Nathaniel's like, well, I like this guy. <laughs> he, he gets me, right? And so then Nathaniel, in turn, says of Jesus, you are the king of Israel, the son of God. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something. This is just a little uh, a life hack, right? This is something that will let you do better at life. One of the things that we find most attractive in other people is when that person, that other, likes us. <laughs> like something, if somebody likes us, and it, it could be romantic, it could just be they think we're, we're funny, they think we're smart, or they think we're, I don't know, helpful, or in some kind of way. But when other people like us, we find that very attractive. Like we like it when other people like us. And that's part of what will pull us together into relationships. And so... Jesus, when he calls Nathanael the true Israelite, he liked that. He liked the fact that Jesus thought of him that way. And that draws him in. Love does that. And you, you know this because you've heard it before, that God is love and that God loves you. And if you can ever actually, like for a moment have the revelation, the epiphany of how much God loves you, you would be attracted to that. You would be attracted to God's love because we are. We like it when people like us and it pulls us close and it helps kind of build those relationships. And that's exactly, I think, 
kind of what's going on here. So there's an Old Testament passage that we didn't read today. It is pretty familiar for those that you who are familiar with those texts of Samuel when he's a child is living at the temple and he's working at the temple and it's in the middle of the night and he keeps hearing the voice of God say, Samuel, Samuel. And so he gets up and he runs to the priest who's kind of in charge, right? His kind of spiritual father, Eli. And he says, he says to Eli, hey, I, I, did you call me? I heard, I heard my name. He goes, I didn't call you. Go, go to bed. So he goes back to bed and he says, he hears it again, Samuel, Samuel. So he gets up, he goes a second time to Eli. He says, did you call me? He goes, no, I'm sleeping. <laughs> and you should be too. I didn't call you. But I tell you what, if you hear the name again, it's not me. <laughs> Trust me, I'm not calling out to you. It's probably the Lord. So, so the name Samuel actually means the name of God. Uh, Shemuel. Shem is the Hebrew word for name, and El is the word for God, right? It means the name of God. And he's being called by God, and he has this dream about Eli, and it's actually pretty negative. And then he tells Eli the dream, and it comes true, and people realize that this boy is a prophet, right? It identifies him. His identity and his name are all kind of wound up together. Now, sometimes people will try and give us other names, They'll call us things, um, sometimes nicknames, what have you. Like sometimes we might call a tall guy Shorty. I don't know if you've heard that before. Or uh, someone with red hair, they might call Red. Um, or in the Three Stooges, the, it's the bald guy that they call Curly, right? Not a lot of curls going on there. So those kind of nicknames. And sometimes nicknames can be kind of derogatory, so, you know, we've titled our Epiphany series, All in the Family, which obviously is a reference to the uh, famous TV show. And in it, Carol O'Connor's character, um, who he plays Archie Bunker, has a disdain um, for his, at first, his daughter's boyfriend, who later becomes his, his son-in-law, played by Rob Reiner. And I might, I might I offered this caveat uh, last week. I'll just do it one more time this week. Obviously, Archie Bunker is a bigot, and, but he's kind of an exaggerated figure. Even in the TV show, they're not kind of endorsing everything that Archie says. They're using him as a kind of a foil. So, just so we know. So, the character played by Rob Reiner, his name is Michael. Uh, like our Mikel. That's the same. Mikel is the Basque version of Michael, right? It means, who is like the Lord? Right, it's the name of one of the archangels. It's a beautiful name. It's kind of a it's a strong name. It's a noble name. Who is like the Lord? It's a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful name to say to name a person. To say who is like the Lord. And do any of you know what Archie called um, Michael? Meathead. Meathead. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you dummy, right? You're you're dense. You're you're not smart. And so he calls him meathead, which is a horrible thing to do. And I think that's sometimes we'll do that of ourselves even. Like we'll think badly of ourselves. I'm like, you know, hey, dummy, kind of get your act together, right? Why can't you live up to your, your, your promises? You should lose a little weight. You should eat better. You should exercise more. 
You should what? Whatever. You should do this. You should do that. You should have invested better. You should have made more money. You should have you know, got the promotion. You should, you should, you should. And we kind of, we kind of downgrade ourselves or we do that to others, right? We do it to our family members. We do it to our neighbors. Uh, and we kind of buy into kind of Archie Bunker's view of the world where we can sit as judge over everyone else and identify them in ways that don't speak to their true identity, but rather to our biases. Hey, meathead. And then, you know, I wonder, I wonder when you hear like a lot of nicknames, I'm not not quite so sure what to make of them. So in the Gospel of John, where we've read this passage, um, uh, thank you, Donnie, for reading it for us. There's, we get this in the other synoptics too, but there's a disciple of Jesus named Simon, and he's later called Peter. Now, Peter could be taken kind of positively, Like, uh, Peter's a rock, he's stalwart, he's strong. That's certainly possible, right? Peter means rock. But in our culture, certainly, the name rock or rocky doesn't always just mean strength in a positive way, right? Because we don't think of rocky as necessarily the smartest guy in the room, right? If you say rocky, you think this guy's kind of difficult, kind of hard to get along with, uncooperative. And if we think of the biblical character, Peter, he certainly kind of fits both of those, right? Like he becomes this kind of great disciple and apostle who on the day of Pentecost preaches this sermon about the outpouring of the Spirit and the work of Christ. And all of this work kind of gets established. He's this major apostle. He goes to Rome and the the church is kind of built on him and his confession. But if we're reading the stories about Peter, he's also kind of fulfills that sense of Rocky, right? He is difficult. He, he tries to be in charge when he shouldn't. Like he makes that confession and then he tells Jesus how things are going to be. And he does that not just once, but multiple times. And in his actions, kind of throughout the gospel, he's increasingly trying to be in charge when Jesus is increasingly telling him it's not going to work that way. To the point that it's Peter of all the disciples who says he doesn't know Christ. Right? It's Peter who denies Christ in the courtyard of Caiaphas. And I think that really kind of broke his heart. And so after the resurrection, Peter finds out. Peter's not the first to find out the tomb is empty, right? That's Mary Magdalene. And she comes and she tells the disciples. So Peter and the beloved disciple, right, they go to see. And when he sees that the tomb is empty, the text doesn't tell us about his emotional state. But Jesus will appear to the disciples. And Peter's, of course, there, but it doesn't talk about Peter. It talks about Thomas. Thomas is not there. And then he appears a second time and Thomas is there. And so Peter, who had often been a main character in the story now seems to have become kind of a secondary character in the story. And then we get one last story of the disciples having gone fishing, and now Peter is again the, uh, one of the main characters. It's Peter who's gone fishing, and with him is Thomas and the sons of Zebedee and two other guys. <laughs> we don't know who they were. And so now they're, they're all gone, right? 
They've all gone fishing. And the story, the narrator, keeps telling us that this is about Peter. But Jesus is the primary speaker in the story. He, he, it's his words that we hear of most. And every time he speaks to Peter, he doesn't call him Peter. He calls him Simon. He doesn't call him by his nickname. He calls him by his name. Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Simon, do you love me? And he asked him a third time, Simon, do you love me? I think the fact that Jesus is calling him Simon is something we should really ponder for a bit. Because when times are tough, when, when things have gone sideways, when our lives are not working out the way we think they should or would have, if we can have ears that can hear, I think we'll hear God speaking to us. And he's not speaking to us by some nickname. And he's certainly not speaking to us by some derogatory name. He's speaking to who we truly are, our true selves. He knows us. As, as Peterson encourages pastors and really everyone to kind of, when you speak to someone, you should learn their name. So for a little over a year or so, uh, we've been advertising these kind of coffee with Robbie's. You know, we'll put the slide on the screen. It's got my cell number. That's actually my number. Like if you texted or called it, you get me, right? Not somebody else. And it's not that there's a one for one in this regard. There's lots of reasons that I, I do that. I, I want to be available to you and I want to get to know you. But a number of years ago, I'd first seen that documentary. And I heard Peterson say that the name is the most important part of speech. And it, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like it just weighed on me. Like if you come to a church, people should know you by name. And certainly your pastor should know you by name. And so I've showed that to students kind of, um, Ad infinitum, it seems like, on and on and on. I, I showed it to our elders. I showed it to our staff. And this is now over years and years, because I probably first saw it maybe, I don't know, four or five years ago. But I keep coming back to it. And there is a fairly short and straight line between Peterson's comment about the importance of names and the fact that we have coffee with Robbie. <laughs> because I, I don't want to not know your names because I don't want to speak simply about you. I want to speak to you. And I think that's, that's what's going on theologically in the epiphany is epiphany is about light. Like one of the texts that are often read comes from Isaiah. It says, we are a people who've stepped out of a darkness into a marvelous light. The, the light of epiphany is that Jesus is the Son of God. But in that light, not only do we know that Jesus is the Son of God, but we learn kind of who we really are. Because as the apostles say, it's not I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And that our true self, who we really are, gets kind of caught up in who Christ is. For he is fully human and truly human. And when we are like him, we live into our own humanity. 
And when we're unlike him, we're actually being less human. Does that make sense? If he's fully human, and that's a Christian confession, that Christ is fully human and fully divine, but he's fully human, 100%. And so if that's the case, then that he becomes the standard of humanity. And so as we are formed by the Spirit into the image of Christ, it just fulfills our humanity. And when we turn from Christ, when we turn away, we're, we're turning kind of into something less than. Like we become less than the, the human that God has created us to be. And so our names are important. I mean, sociologists would tell us this too. If you haven't read it, I'd recommend it. The little book, uh, Freakonomics, was popular maybe, I don't know, now, 20, 25 years ago. Or you could, there's a documentary, you could watch it as well. Like, more than we think, it should. Like, we don't think, we think the person makes the name. It doesn't really matter what your name is, you can do whatever. But it's amazing, if you actually study people's names and what they do, names are important. Like, if you... If you're, if you're young and you're going to have a kid, you should really be careful what you name them. I know there's a lot of babies around these days. Um, it seems like every time I turn around, somebody here at the church has had another baby. And I'm all for it. I love the babies. But we should be careful with those names. Because those names really do kind of seem to shape us in certain ways. Nathaniel means, by the way, gift of God. And Jesus calls him by that name. And we sang earlier about the powerful name of Jesus. And we realized that when God was calling Samuel, he was calling him by name. And when he spoke to Simon, he spoke to Simon by name. And when he called Nathaniel, he called Nathaniel by name. As he had called uh, Simon and Andrew, and as he had called James and John, and as he has called you. So, We ask you to kind of wear name tags today. I don't know if everyone did. Some of you, as you're coming in, might not have seen it. But the idea was that we'd wear some name tags today and that we wouldn't just put down our name, but also what our name meant. If you don't know what your name means, you can find it on Google. (laughs) Yeah, these devices, I don't have mine on me, but, you know, your phones. Google your name, figure out the meaning of the name. And we thought that when it came time for Grace and Peace later today, We would share the grace and peace, but we might also share our names and maybe the meaning of our names. So my name means famous, Robert. But you know I don't go by Robert. I go by Robbie, which means like little Robert. So that's like like a little famous. (laughs) It's all right. Donald means um, a world ruler. (laughs) But Donnie is like a little world ruler. (laughs) But how, how can we kind of summarize all these things? Ironically, perhaps, we're going to summarize it by referring to the second passage that Donnie read for us, the passage out of 1 Corinthians, which might have felt a little disjunctive, like what can not going to prostitutes have to do with Nathaniel realizing that Jesus is the Son of God? Well, all of, all of that kind of ethical behavior that Paul's talking about gets summed up theologically in this idea. Did you all not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? 
and I've said this a lot, but I'm going to say it again because today it's actually in the lectionary. I'll, I'll use my southern colloquialism to translate it because something gets lost in translation from the Greek to English here. The, the you there is plural and the body is singular. It's did all y'all not know that y'all's body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now we read that in our culture and we're so individualistic that somehow we think it's just about me. It's not just about you. It's about God and about what God is doing for us. And so earlier in that chapter, he had said, Paul had said that your bodies, y'all's bodies, like your body, your body, your body, your body, your body, everybody's body in the room is part of the one and only body of Christ. And we use that in English, right? We can talk about the body, like our collective group. And it's our collective group, us as a body, that is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's y'all's body that is the temple of the Spirit. And what body is that? The body of Christ. And that is the body that we confess in the resurrection. I believe in the Holy Spirit in the Holy Catholic Church, in the communion of saints, in the forgiveness of the sins, in the forgiveness of sins, and in the resurrection of the body. Not in the resurrection of bodies. Now bodies will be resurrected, but it's the body of Christ that we confess in the resurrection. The collective body. And it's that collective body that is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Which is why what each of us do individually matters because we're all interconnected. This is Paul's argument there. Did you not know that y'all's body is the temple of the Spirit and you were purchased with a price? This costs something for us to be here together. From all of our different backgrounds and all of our different beliefs and all of our different practices, right? We're all here because we're all part of the one and only temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we do together. Because Jesus is the Son of God. Because He is the King of Israel. Because He is the Messiah that was promised, who has come and not just saved Israel, but saved the whole world. And he knows us by name. I mean, it's great to know the, the famous and the powerful. But it's better to be known by them. Right? It's better to be cared for by them. And that's exactly what we have here. In this confession. This confession that first took place again of Jesus it's not that Nathaniel came and said I believe in you and he says okay therefore you can be with me it's Jesus who spoke first he's the one who called Nathaniel a true Israelite Nathaniel's like I really like this guy and let me tell you this he's also called you 
He has called you child of God. And he has called you by name. And I hope you can hear that. You can hear that love and that identity and that association. And I hope that you can respond to that with your own confession about Jesus. That Jesus is the Son of God and the true King of Israel. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.